0: Additional warning. This episode is cursed. No, but really, this episode was rough. We were all sick. We had a lag issue while recording. We have sound issues. It's a mess. And I apologize for the quality of the sound in some places, but you know what I won't apologize for? Loving Hollow Man. (laughs) Enjoy the show, guys. Happy Halloween. If you hear this sound, that means this episode is also featured on our YouTube channel as a video. Head over to www.youtube.com slash keepitweirdpodcast to check it out. Warning, this episode contains foul language, mentions of violence and sexual assault, and movie spoilers. for all things strange and unusual, monsters and maniacs, creatures and cryptids, and every once in a while, we go back to the classics. Each week, we get together and chat about something weird, but this is October, witches, so we are still getting together every week and talking about something weird, but we're being even weirder. (laughs) This is a very special episode because we are traveling back in time and taking a deep look into some of our favorite monsters. Universal monsters, that is. Back in the 30s and 40s, these monsters terrorized townspeople, occasionally met each other, and ruled the cinema. Today we're taking a look at who created them and why, how the fears inside represented the fears of the world at the time, and how they've evolved to fit into our modern world today so stay out of the loon and get your pitchforks and torches ready because it's alive! My name is Ashley and this is my spooky co-host Lauren. Hello,
1: weirdos.
0: (laughs) And joining us today, the monster man himself. Please welcome the amazing Billy Roach. Hello.
2: Hello. Hello. So happy to be back.
0: With the fangs So happy to have you. Yes, we were way. I feel overdue. like we've had you on almost every season and then know. you know, I moved away and oh, ruined everyone's oh, life. Rude. So what you well, do? not
2: everyone's just mine.
1: It's fine. <laughs> just Billy's. It's fine. <laughs> and Billy, you were why it's really sad that Ashley lives across the country now is when we used to all be able to record in person, Billy always brought us gifts. And that yes. was nice. You would bring
0: treats. I sure do miss Things to drink. Yeah, we miss the prezzies. <laughs> it was very nice. The cats would get excited because they like sitting on Billy's lap. Yeah. Oh, it was a party.
2: I miss them. Mm-hmm. It was. It was um, always a good time.
0: It was. Billy, do you have any fun Halloween plans this year?
2: Well, I I do a thing every year where I, starting October 1st, I watch 31 horror films. Well, Halloween films, they're not always horror films. They're something for me uh, encapsulate the Halloween spirit. Uh, so that's kind of the thing I do every year, you know, um, and it's its a blast. It challenges me to watch new things, old things, and I, you know, I post online hoping people will join in. I know you guys do something similar, yeah. and I've been really yeah. enjoying that this year. Yeah.
0: Yeah, you sent me your list. It's a, It's quite the banger.
2: Yeah, it's all over the place too. It's very eclectic.
1: I love that though. I feel like you have to you have to have a variety Cause like you said, it doesn't even all have yeah. to be horror. But like Halloween esque yeah. autumn. Just, Maybe there's an autumnal
2: food. Autumnal got to feel like Halloween. Yeah, yes, that's it. Love that. That's all it needs. The spirit of Halloween.
0: We love it. I also feel like making a list ahead of time to follow is such a good idea because I get Seriously. so excited to watch horror movies and then it comes down to it and I'm yeah. like, I don't know I want to watch so many that I don't know what I want to watch right now. It's overwhelming. All of them? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Every single one that's ever
0: existed. Uh. Are you doing any Inktober this season?
2: I haven't done any yet this season. I'm sure I'll do something, but I, I used to do it like I try to do every day. I haven't done any yet this season I need to. I need to get back into it. That's a. It's a good challenge for myself. I actually haven't been drawing much recently, so maybe I'll get into the inktober. Get back a to catch it. Up.
0: Yeah. Well, I, I have, have a, uh, I have a new T-shirt idea. If you want me to send that. You Ooh.
2: Uh, Could use some help. Okay. Send it over.
0: <laughs> About to commission you. Do it. I'm gonna commission <laughs> you for a new T-shirt design. Okay. We have so much to get through today. I say. We're going to start with the oldest monster and move forward. So, Billy, teach us about your monster.
2: Okay. I will be talking about one of the granddaddies of all monsters, Frankenstein's creature. Ooh. Which a lot of people incorrectly refer to him as Frankenstein. (laughs) Everyone's familiar with the Frankenstein films. Uh, You know, I feel like everyone kind of knows the basic premise of Frankenstein. But if i have to give you like kind of a short synopsis of frankenstein it's you know uh frankenstein kind of tells the story of victor frankenstein a young scientist who creates a creature in an unorthodox scientific method sorry about that um so i mean for me i think the first time i ever saw frankenstein and this is really weird i was a kid on vhs my mom had uh Frankenstein meets Abbott himself. <laughs> that was my first encounter with Frankenstein. I mean, that I don't know so about you guys, good. but that was my first encounter with Frankenstein. Super
1: normal. Um, and I was,
2: God, I had to be like six, six years old. And it just kind of blew me away. I was like, it's, it was funny. Uh, I didn't know anything about this guy. Uh, and then, you know, my mom was a big horror nut. So she introduced me to a lot of universal classics like Frankenstein, Dracula. Um, but yeah, so the, the story of Frankenstein, the, cr- the creation of Frankenstein, is such an interesting story because you kind of have to piece together a bunch of myths to kind of get down to how it was actually created. Some, some people say Mary Shelley had a bad dream, and that's how it was created, um, but a lot of it stems from uh, her inspiration was from her travels as a young girl. Uh, she went to, she traveled a lot uh, in her early years. I want to say when she was 15, 16 years old, she had a lot of travel. spent a lot of time in Geneva, which is where a bulk of the story in Frankenstein takes place. Mm-hmm. And then she stayed about 10 miles away from Castle Frankenstein in Germany. Which seems okay. That's definitely where she got it from. But apparently, in Germany, Frankenstein's a very common I was gonna say word. there's
0: a there was a castle Frankenstein. Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> yeah, there was a castle Frankenstein. Yeah, but it's it's just means stone of the Franks. So it means you know a lot oh. of the buildings there. So it's a it's a very common term. Um, but uh, so she did a lot of traveling as a young girl, and I think that is what um, inspired her to to write um, about these certain yeah. places like Geneva. On one of her trips, though, with her future husband, Percy, and Lord Byron, you know, just traveling with Lord
0: Byron. <gasps> Lord Byron, my
1: afternoon. Partner. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Lord Byron. Yeah, we've all been on a Lord Byron <laughs> trip. It's just normal. I,
2: I didn't know that until looking into Mary Shelley Moore, that Lord Byron's physician was John Polidori, who wrote a classic vampire tale like so these people all went on trips together and the percy byron and Polidori often spoke about the occult and things like that what so a dream she was there for a lot of that and I it know. was right like what a what a crazy also i feel really bad being the one talking about mary shelley to youtube because she was like this like really just like Bad-ass woman, like, like, why am I? Like, why am I being the mouthpiece for Mary Shelley? Thanks
1: for yeah. mansplaining yeah, thanks Mary girl. Shelley to us,
0: Billy.
2: But maybe he didn't, <laughs> know. he didn't know how uh, cruel this lady
0: was <laughs> once. But
2: right, let me explain. Uh, but yeah, so she was on one of these trips with Percy, who was yet to be her husband, Byron Polidori, and they were stuck inside. Uh, during a storm, and there was a challenge set to see who could write the best ghost story, horror story, and that's the prevailing legend of how Frankenstein came about.
0: I love it, especially love when that. you have the, the yeah. two paired together, where it's like this story about these all these pieces of this man sewn together, and all these pieces mm-hmm. of the story put together. Yeah. I mean, the novel was literally put together like the creature was. It's so cool, right? Yeah, yeah. what's what's
2: even more insane about Shelley is she started writing the story when she was only eighteen. Some
1: people just have whoa, they just have the talent, (laughs) the creativity. Well, I mean,
2: she comes from her father was an author, and it's. it's, I I I beg anyone who is slightly interested in Mary Shelley at all just read up on her. She's such a a fascinating woman. Possibly. Uh, rumors.
0: Rumors. Maybe one can hope. Let me dream. (laughs) (laughs) One
2: can only hope. So uh, her first edition of um Frankenstein actually came out in eighteen eighteen and was published anonymously. Mm -hmm. Shelley herself wanted it published anonymously because she was afraid that it uh it came out because of the nature of what she was writing about, about these horrors, uh alchemy, all these things that she would lose her children. So she didn't want her name on the. She's board.
0: also not like completely in the clear oh, from being sense. burned at the stake. Yeah. 1818. Oh, right. Like yes. most of the burning at the stakes yep. were over, but like we still had some fondness for burning at the stake. Yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah. I mean.
0: And she's she's an intelligent yeah. woman Making writing, books, yeah. so just be careful. Creating we know what a we
2: new think genre about
0: can't, like.
2: Yeah, but, careful. yeah, I mean, speaking of creating a new genre, too, I mean, she's credited with horror, but a lot of people also consider this the first real science fiction novel. Oh, totally. Yeah, because of the nature of how the creature is brought together using scientific methods. So, not only horror, but also science fiction. Um, but her her name did appear in 1821 on the second edition when it was published in Paris.
0: Did yes. any men rage?
2: So, we love that. Oh, I'm, I'm sure. <laughs> Historically... It's probably been covered up, but I'm sure. <laughs> but I mean, you know, what we're all here for is the first dra the first dragon. Sorry guys, that's where my brain's always you're at. A vampire. You know um <laughs> I'm a vampire guy.
1: you're a vampire man, Billy, we love <laughs>
2: it. We we, we talked about Frankenstein as a creature on film. You you can't beat that nineteen thirty-one Boris Karloff. I mean it's Probably the most famous iteration of the material and it spawned several sequels Uh, But Karloff only did three films. After those three films, he stepped away and someone else started playing the monster But a fun fact There were three Frankenstein films before the 31 version There was one called Frankenstein. Yes, there was one called Frankenstein in 1910. It is only 16 minutes long it was thought to be a lost film, but it was found in the 50s and made public in the 80s, and it was produced by Edison.
0: Thomas Edison was like, you know I've tried what? this shit, right?
2: Yeah, wild.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I tried to do this myself, but...
2: <laughs> couldn't, yeah. couldn't quite do it, but here we go. Um, then there is another film called, called Life Without Soul from 1915, and then there's one called The Monster of Frankenstein from 1921. Uh, it's a European film. Both of those films have been lost to time; they're completely gone. Oh, damn! It's such a shame. But yeah, so I mean, then the next, um, the next version was the thirty-one Universal, which is the first one to have sound, um, well, dialogue, I guess, not so much sound, a talking. But I mean, for me, Frankenstein kind of sits right up there in the pantheon of monsters with someone like Dracula, whose story's been told, retold, reinterpreted so many times. Uh, and, you know, speaking of reinterpretation, Creature ranges wildly in all of these interpretations from being uh, kind of a deranged, mindless brute to a tragic hero. You know, and a fun one is the 1958 film Frankenstein, 1970, made in 58, but the title is Frankenstein, 1970, which focuses on themes of nuclear power, impotence, oh. the film industry, Boris Karloff returns, but not as the Creature. In this film, he portrays Baron Victor von Frankenstein, who harvests the bodies of actors to create a clone of himself using his nuclear-powered laboratory. His intention is to have the clone army carry on his genes into future generations.
0: What on earth was this movie? Yeah. Just complete garbage. Why? Why have I never heard of wow. it? Wow. Right. My God.
2: I had to. I had to look into it. It, it seems really interesting. I. Uh, I don't know. I. I I had never heard about it, um, but now I really want to watch it. But a, a fun fact about Frankenstein on film is you don't really notice it because he's such a prevalent character in pop culture. But from 1957 all the way up to 1994, there was a Frankenstein film made at least every two to three years. That's Sometimes so Sometimes multiple in the same year. Yeah, it's insane. It took a wow. little break and then came back in 2004 with Van Helsing, which...
0: Mm, you know. <laughs> <laughs> we don't have, we don't, have, we don't have a <laughs> We're
1: just gonna sweep that one back under the rug.
2: <laughs> but I mean, for me personally, I know Thirty One is a classic. Universal started all, but for me personally, I think the best adaptation is Branna's Ninety Four, Mary Shelley's Sign. It's also, to my knowledge, the closest to the source material.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay.
2: Yeah, I mean, I mean, what are some of your encounters with with the creature? Like, what's some of your favorite Frankenstein stuff?
0: I really loved how they did Frankenstein and Penny Dreadful. Oh,
2: I love Penny gosh. Dreadful. Yeah. I
0: forgot
1: about Penny Dreadful. Thank you for reminding me of that beautiful piece of television. That was so
0: gorgeous, good. gorgeous piece of television.
2: And also, I mean, not only was it just a gorgeous show, but, like, beautifully acted. Everybody was yeah, so great. And everyone was every really Every time, the creature, or Adam, as he was called on the show, was on screen. It was just, like, it was heartbreaking. Heartbreaking. It was just absolutely heartbreaking. Yeah. He was so good. I love that.
0: Ooh, darn. I can't think of his name, but the, the kid, well, he's not a kid. He's an adult man. The man who plays <laughs> Victor Frankenstein, I thought, was a really, really, really... Um, tender interpretation mm-hmm. of Victor Frankenstein's relationship with his monster. Um, and also, which you don't usually see to
2: us. Well, no, because let's, yeah. let's just talk about Victor for a second. I mean, the guy is. Yeah,
0: let's on, talk about Victor.
2: He's a, cow- he's Victor. a coward. He
1: is Big a old
0: coward. coward. A real piece of work. <sighs>
1: Yeah, I have never heard him described as tender because I'm usually like, <laughs> what are you doing? Like, watch this guy. Like, why would you Get
0: do this? Over why would you do this to this why man? Why would you even do this?
2: I mean, do you think that was Shelley's reflection on men? Like she like they can't take claim on on what they create? Yeah.
0: Yeah. And what,
2: what they do create scares them. Yeah, All they, the you yeah. know, the emotions they can't handle. Yeah. Yeah, cuz he ran away. He just ran away like a coward. Yeah. He got several people killed.
1: I, um, just watched the 31 version recently. I'm sorry to say, but I was like, I can't believe I've never seen the original. And I just watched it maybe two months ago while I had some family in town and I loved it way more than I thought I was going to. Like, I, I don't know if I should say like, it's my favorite. It's just the most recent on my mind as you're asking me what we think, but I was genuinely creeped out many times. I was disturbed I was like, sorry, I want to say no spoilers, but also it came out in 1931. So sorry, but (laughs) uh, the little girl being thrown into the water, and then the dad carrying her around town, that scene is so upsetting. And I was like, Oh, my gosh, like, I can't believe they were doing this. It's so dark. But also, I loved it. And I also felt like it showed this, like, battle within the creature, within the monster of, like, he was, like, playing with the girl at first, and then he just doesn't know his own strength.
0: It's so tragic. It is so sad. It is. On the other hand, Mm -hmm. we also have Monster Squad.
2: (laughs) Oh. I mean, there's some great, like, there's some great, like, parody or satire, just, like, comedy out there also. Totally. Monster Squad is fantastic. I love Monster Squad. I mean, there's been so many, like, Kind of takes on this like Frankenstein mythology. I mean, even Lovecraft uh, did a take on mm-hmm. it with his version of um, Herbert West reanimated. Yeah. That was his kind of spoof on Frankenstein. I mean, one of my favorites is Rocky Horror Picture Show. Totally. Oh. Uh, yeah. I mean, right it. there. Great, like, Frankenstein make story. Me a Monster, man. Why
1: not just be this hot guy in a Speedo? Let's do it. <laughs> No, Rocky Horror is so good, and as mentioned before, Young Frankenstein is one of my all-time favorite movies. I know that's a big statement, but it is like a comfort movie, like I will always laugh.
2: Some of those jokes that just go on a little too long, I love them. Sure. In that that film, like Every time they say blue, and you hear the horses winning in the back, <laughs> <laughs> it's
1: just, it's just, I know. But it's every single time,
0: and you're like,
2: okay. every time. <laughs> like you think you've forgotten about it, somebody says, "Hey, Brooke, uh-huh. are
0: <laughs> <laughs> I do love that it's about so Mel Brooks so, about how he's so like. Silly. I always felt like his movies were like. I don't care if you think it's funny; I think it's funny. <laughs>
2: exactly.
0: mm-hmm. And so, so I'm going to keep, keep going. going. <laughs> i'm laughing i I
2: love that about
0: (laughs) it i know that's what counts
2: there's even these kind of family friendly versions that were fed when we were younger and we don't even realize that we're looking at something that's like the uh, interpretation of frankenstein like the monsters or adam's family Mm. i mean you have lurch just hanging out there he's very classic like the creature herman monster
0: he is frankenstein (laughs)
2: yeah he is he is frankenstein monster that's it it's right there i
0: do love the design of Frankenstein, how like we did it once, and then we were like, "That's what he looks like." You know what I mean? Like it's so, That's yes. it's so iconic. it's so Perfect.
2: Seven feet tall with a flat top. Bolts he's got leg, boots.
0: Flat top he's got platform yes. boots.
2: <laughs> yeah. He's got four-inch <laughs> platform. Greenish,
1: like gray. his <laughs> Sleeves are small <laughs> on him to just to show yeah. that like he don't fit in those clothes because he's so big. <laughs>
0: I feel like every other character like that iconic character changed over like time, especially over 100 years. This has been almost 100 years since the first movie came out. Um, And it's not like, you know, Freddy Krueger, where it's like Freddy Krueger is Freddy Krueger and he continues to be Freddy Krueger in every movie. Like there have been, like you said, so many different interpretations. And we just decided we saw that monster and we were like, that's what Frankenstein looks like.
2: Yes. Yeah, that's it. it. In your head. Yep. That's it. You know what Frankenstein looks like. So I mean, they're not they're not all great. Well, I mean Frankenstein has been done so many times. We they can't all be winners. Let's just I mean, we kind of sure. talked about Van Helsing earlier and I don't really want to throw too many of these <laughs> terrible films under the bus. Uh but I'm just gonna I'm not gonna name names. You know what no, actually I'm gonna name names. I Frankenstein, what what happened? There. Listen. It was so bad,
1: <laughs> so bad. You have to have bad ones in there to make you appreciate. That's true. <laughs> they can't all be good.
2: You talk about the like the design of Frankenstein. You get, you know, we're told this is Frankenstein, and that's it. That's the creature we see. Then you get to this movie in twenty fourteen, and they're like, "Let's get Aaron Eckhart. He's going to get super ripped, and we're just going to put like some super faint scars on him, and like he's not really ugly. He doesn't really look sewn so together. He just looks like he maybe got into a car crash." That's it.
0: And this Frankenstein, this Frankenstein fucks.
2: <laughs> he, <does. laughs>
0: he can get it.
2: And you're like Frankenstein's a, a morality tale about, you know, your inner demons. And it's like, no, no, this one's just about a war between gargoyles. What? And demons. Or they got broke. <laughs>
1: oh, it's just, it, that's a different thing altogether. How dare you put Frankenstein in the name?
2: I think it was, Oh goodness. It's, it's almost like a fever dream because it was created by the same guy that did Underworld.
0: Right, I remember
2: that. So, you know, he famously brought together vampires and werewolves. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah. I think he was just trying to expand that universe. There's a very early version of the screenplay that had Celine from Underworld showing up in a post credit scene. Like they were going to make this whole thing a Ooh. shared universe. Ooh,
0: uh, early, early post-credit scene.
2: Yeah, and of course, you know, I Frankenstein was terrible, so it never
0: happened. Didn't happen. <laughs> They're like, don't connect these. Horror. After all, don't, don't. horror has Stop. a really Stop. bad job. Has a bad job. Has a bad reputation for using IP horror IP and making like a different film. Um, as we all know, they did it with Child's mm-hmm. Play, where they're like, this is Child's Play now. And it's like, yeah. but there's no Charles Lee Ray, and it's a computer no. chip. And it's like, well, then that's not Child's Play. That's a different movie. That's a different story. Uh-huh.
2: You're missing the point. Yeah,
0: Just say that it's a different else. movie. It's one of the <laughs> things that bothers
1: me the most. Yeah, just call it something different yeah. then.
0: Like, that could have been an original monster. It didn't have to be Frankenstein. Yeah. But then you can't use mm-hmm. the word Frankenstein, which sells tickets or you know mm. did in
2: 1930. <laughs> sure. we, I mean we all know Frankenstein from the films we love the films uh you know we'll watch countless Frankenstein films of which there have been like I said from 57 to 94 every other year there was a, a Frankenstein so inspired film so look look out there you can find one it's free crazy. um but also, Frankenstein has inspired other authors to write Frankenstein's type stories. So there have been several takes on this original mythology. And Frankenstein has kind of, like, run the gamut. I mean, there's been so many novels. But Frankenstein has even made appearances in both DC and Marvel Comics. He's gone up against the X-Men, Bizarro Superman. Uh, Grant Morrison, who's a fantastic writer, revived the Delish. Frankenstein monster for his book Seven Soldiers of Mercy, uh, of victory. Sorry, Seven Soldiers of Victory. Sorry, I'm still laughing. At my <laughs> <head>. <laughs> it was a good joke. <laughs> a cheesy
1: joke.
2: Right, but in in Morrison's Seven Soldiers of Victory, Frankenstein is a well-read, gun-toting warrior battling to prevent the end of the world. Okay. Uh, they rebooted the DC universe in 2011 and gave Frankenstein his own book called Frankenstein: Agent of Shade, which is just like this whole like. Super spy book with a Frankenstein monster, yeah. Uh, and we we've got some more Frankenstein content to look forward to. Also, James Gunn is rebooting the DC universe. The first film out of that is going to be an animated movie called Creature Commandos. That's going to feature a Frankenstein monster, uh, voiced by David Harbour.
0: It's a good
1: choice. Oh, David Harbour, you can do no wrong. I uh, like. Um.
2: I believe Del Toro is working on a version of Frankenstein as well, or he has been for years. Uh, but we know so. how it goes with with del toro he's a like he's sure. he's got so many ideas so <laughs> never quite make it out yeah he is he's, a, he's right. a big time dreamer but yeah i mean i i mean i love i love the creature he's it's an enduring myth i mean it's inspired so many other characters as well i mean one of my favorite things i look forward to every october is getting my my frankenberry you know like hell yeah gotta get that that gotta frankenberry get
0: that strawberry I mean, cereal that's right
2: yeah Gosh. And then you've got these, I mean, Edward Scissorhands yep. could be considered a Frankenstein tale. Absolutely. Fail. One of the writers of, of Disney's Lilo and Stitch said Stitch came out of Frankenstein. Like Aww. his inspiration for creating what? that character was was Frankenstein because he's created by a mad scientist using miscellaneous alien DNA to create this creature.
0: And he's misunderstood.
2: He's misunderstood. and he's got, He is so misunderstood. He doesn't know his own strength. He just needs someone to love him.
0: And he just
1: needs love, I mean, and family, and right. For friendship.
2: As a child of the '80s, one of my favorite Frankenstein stories, which a lot of people forget about or don't think of it as a Frankenstein story, RoboCop.
1: <laughs> RoboCop.
2: I mean, think about it.
1: I would never have thought of that, but that does track.
2: Yeah, brought back a man, a man destroyed, brought back in several different pieces by. By uh, you know, a multi-billion dollar corporation to do their, be- do their bidding, yeah. Now, before I wrap up my soliloquy on Frankenstein, <laughs> I'll leave you with something fun that I found out. The real-life Castle Frankenstein was the birthplace of a controversial religious figure, Conrad Dippel. Conrad was an alchemist, spent years trying to create an elixir of life. It's been claimed his experiments involved explosives, black magic, and dead bodies. It's a very possible that Conrad was the inspiration for the actual Dr. Frankenstein.
0: Yeah. Wow. I was going to say. It sounds like it. When did Mary wrote this in 1818, or around there, published it in 1818? When was this guy operating?
2: Dipple was the 1750s, I believe. Mm,
0: okay, so okay, dead, but the, the legend yeah. lives on.
2: The legend, yeah.
0: She could have died taking some inspo i love that yeah i love conrad the different what a name themes as we talked about with frankenstein like not only the whole you know men don't create life and when they do they don't know how to control it and they don't they're they're afraid of it but there's also the theme of like this was around the time when electricity was starting to be in homes And people were scared. Like, it wasn't something that, like, everyone was – you you would think as the, you know, technology hounds we are now that electricity would be super dope and everyone would be so excited. Mm -hmm. Um, But they were not. They were actually quite afraid of it. And they thought that it was going to uh, ruin us. And so Frankenstein, especially yeah. when they made the film and, and they used the, the the lightning and things like that, it was it was scary. It was very scary for people thinking like, yep, this is next. This is what we have to look forward to. Yeah. I ran into a lot of Frankenstein stuff when I was uh, researching my monster, uh, because today I'm going to talk to you about The Invisible Man. The Invisible Man, and that started as a novel by H.G. Wells, who was considered to be the father of science fiction. He was writing these stories like uh, The Invisible Man, War of the Worlds, The Time Machine, The Island of Dr. Moreau. Wow, wow, wow. He gave us all of those things. So Psy wasn't even a genre yet, but he did credit writers like Mary Shelley and her Frankenstein as influence of his, even though, you know, he is – Known as the father of sci-fi, like you said, Billy, Frankenstein is often referred to as the very first sci-fi novel. So I really love that we have that little connection today from yeah. from Mary to, to H.G. Wells. Yeah. Adorable. And um, The Invisible Man <laughs> was originally published as... serial story. So it was sent in in pieces to Pearson's Weekly. This was in 1897. But then it was published as a full novel later on that year. It was very successful. And the story follows a scientist named Griffin who's devoted his research, his time, his life to optics. And he invents a way to change the body's refract index to that of air so that it neither absorbs nor reflects light, which essentially... Uh, renders him invisible but the problem is he cannot figure out how to reverse that so not only that not only is he like frustrated with like not being able to uh, turn visible again he's also slowly turning mad and it's never really clear if the serum is what drives him crazy the power that he holds uh being invisible Or the isolation and frustration of not being able to find a way back, but if I were to guess, I would say that what drove him mad was the fact that every single person this man comes across, he has to spend the first hour talking to them, explaining that he's an invisible man. (laughs)
1: <laughs> how old would that get come on <laughs>
0: literally every single person
2: he's just tired though. of repeating like himself uh,
0: here's my spiel again comes again across it's like saints us. i'm hearing voices and he's like no you're not i'm an invisible man and they're hey, like hey, heaven I'm help here. me i'm going crazy and he's like i'm invisible and i'm a man like please Exist. for the love of god and this happens So many times, and I just think that he, I would go crazy. And I will admit to you right now that I only read about 100 pages of this 200-page book. It was obviously dated, written in the 1800s. And also all of the townspeople spoke in thick Cockney accents, and I swear to you I could not tell what they were saying half the time. So that was rough, but... (laughs) Essentially, in the original story, Griffin, often referred to in the novel as The Stranger, arrives at an inn in the middle of nowhere in Sussex during a snowstorm and asks for a room. And we later learn that he had to get out of the city to avoid suspicion so he could try and work on making himself visible again. And he goes out there, he tries to work in the room he's been provided at the inn, but he's increasingly frustrated by the quote-unquote interruptions which are literally just the owners of the house coming upstairs and asking him to stop breaking their stuff (laughs) I think that's a pretty normal ask sir it's a totally normal ask and I will get to this but the invisible man is a fucking jerk Um, every iteration of him he's an asshole I kind of love him for it no redeeming no redeeming qualities of this man uh, which i respect right. like sometimes <laughs> movies and stories get told about assholes and uh-huh. and that's real
1: that's, that's life. life
0: so <laughs> he freaks out reveals invisibility and terrifies the town like it's in the town's newspaper that there's an invisible man running around he's fucking with everyone he's breaking into homes and stealing things um he pushes people off their bikes and steals their bikes he takes their hats off their head like he's a total menace (laughs) to this town just a bully (laughs) and eventually he gets his journals back from the inn goes to the home of an old colleague of his and reveals himself to him tells him basically like i love this power that i have being invisible i want to go on a reign of terror and his former colleague is immediately like no thanks i'm not a literal villain i don't want anything to do with this Reports him to the police and promises him he's going to be the first person he killed during his, you know, reign of terror on this town. And in the end, the Invisible Man, in an attempt to kill his former co-worker, is beaten to death by the people of the town. Um, It's pretty dark, but again, don't feel too bad for the guy because... I yeah, if you're a jerk, read the book. I watched the movies from the thirties. Yeah. Um, the invisible man is a total dick. He was a dick before he became invisible and becoming invisible has only made him more of a dick. Like he's an asshole. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: You're going to get beat. Don't feel bad. I'm sorry. to <laughs> say. <laughs>
1: yeah. that's what
0: happens. So, um, yeah, the novel was written at a time where there were some pretty significant world events occurring. Um, The publication of On the Origin of Species by Charles Darwin was kind of changing the way people saw and understood the world, but it also caused an influx of mistrust in science and a lot of religious people demonizing science. Um, Luckily, even though that was true, the world was moving away from a more religious understanding of the universe and into a more scientific era, um, or else we would not be talking right now. So... (laughs) H.G. Wells, though, as, you know, a science fiction author, he was not, you know, anti-science in any way. But he was kind of questioning the dangers of advancing science going unchecked. So scientific and technological advancements are great to a point, which is interesting because we're at a very similar place in the world and society right now as we speak, like on the cusp of the existence Mm -hmm. of... AI, what jobs are going to be replaced with AI, AI taking over yeah. the world, how much yeah. power do we give AI, yeah. like when
2: do we shut it down, who can use it, I feel like we're at a, at a point right now that Isaac Asimov was warning oh. us about,
0: <laughs> like, another Oops. early yeah. science like fiction a, oh, writer, oh. yeah. Um, we should really Uh-oh. look back at all the uh, science fiction and horror writers from like the 1800s like, and oh, early you were 1900s. Calling all yeah, because <laughs> they were like, guess where yeah. you're, <laughs> you're heading?
1: Hell. <laughs> <laughs> Off to hell.
2: Yeah, they to hell. <laughs>
0: so, yeah, you've got the themes of like not quite being super comfortable with scientific advancements, and also the theme of isolation and the things that isolation can do. To a person, you know, like I said before, Griffin was a jerk before he turned invisible, but before, like, his inability to turn himself seeable, you know, he, he's isolated from society. And he quickly detaches himself from reality and from being, you know, just kind of a jerk to a literal terrorist. He wants to steal, kill, amass power. Mm-hmm. Like he doesn't care who he hurts in the process. Uh, have either of you seen any of the Invisible Man movies, like from the '30s? I don't think I have. If I'm being honest, yeah, not
1: not the older ones.
2: No, i I've seen the I've seen the older Invisible Man. And I've seen takes on Invisible Man.
0: Um, yeah, I was going to say I've like
2: seen takes on Hollow Man, Man. things Hollow like that. Hollow
0: Man. Yeah. Don't worry. Yeah. I will get to Hollow Man. And Hollow Man <laughs> is a big old dick, He's too. <laughs> it's actually yeah, a very like, good yeah. interpretation of the Invisible Man yeah. story. Well, I also just saw the original Invisible Man when I was doing research for this show. And I will tell you, I fucking I love it, it you should absolutely watch it. It Came out in 1933. It was directed by James Whale, who also directed Frankenstein and The Bride of Frankenstein. He was an openly gay man. Yeah. He directed the shit out of The Invisible Man. Like I loved it. Um, weirdly enough, I had also I had seen The Invisible Man Returns from 1940, but I hadn't seen this one. Hmm. I also like that. <laughs> I liked that movie, but. Good. The storyline's right. essentially almost exactly the same as the novel. They do change things. They, of course, add a love interest. It doesn't really go anywhere, it doesn't add to or take from the story. So you can ignore it if you want. But the one thing I want to talk about today, in terms of the original 1933 Invisible Man, I did not know how they did the effects in this movie. I know you guys have seen at least, like, clips of the old movies where he's unwrapping his head. Like, yeah, sure. I, wa- I watched it with my mouth open oh, yeah. because I couldn't figure out how they did it. Yeah.
1: It's the 30s, and they. it yeah. looks amazing from what I've seen. The uh, movie has
0: been referred to as a technical tour de force, and it's really true. The, the effects were so creepy. Absolutely wild. Better than any cgi remake from the 21st century i thought it looked better than hollow man and as i said we will get to how much i love hollow man so i had to look up how they did some of the effects so i can let you I can fill you guys in you're gonna love it so as i expected a lot of the like furniture and arms moving on their own they were done with like hidden wires and stage hands that would pull and push levers and things like that yeah but the most iconic shots of the movie the removal of the bandages and also the footprints in the snow, which
2: yeah.
0: has been used time and time again in the remakes. Yeah. The footprints appearing either in like water or I think in Hollow Man it's like powder of some kind. And I think the
2: yeah.
0: 2020 mm-hmm. version was paint. Like it's it's been in every iteration of the movie.
2: It, it, that shot is yeah, keeps being redone. Yeah, yeah. It's because it's, it's, it's iconic. Yeah
0: sends chills up Well, how up they spine. did it, okay, they were created through a system of footprint-shaped platforms, so think of, like, just a flat ground, right, covered in, they used rock salt as the snow, so it's covered in rock salt, and there are footprint-shaped platforms placed in, like, you know, uh, footprint positions, and as the pegs were pulled off stage, the platforms would drop and create literal footprints occurring with no feet. Oh. Isn't that fucking cool? Wow. Oh, my gosh. It's so smart. How smart? It's really cool. Yeah.
1: And, yeah, genius. I would love to know who came up with that. Like, that person just to come up with, well, of course, if we do it this way, because that is so incredible. I would have never thought of it. I love that. But I'm also... I'm No. Not in a million Pretty years. Pretty dumb. So. Yeah, I'm an idiot, but still. <laughs> like, I know that I'm a dummy, but even so, I'm just like, how does somebody's brain work? <laughs> that is so cool.
0: Now, for the um, I love that. unwrapping of the... So, that was a totally practical effect, which, like, uh, mwah, thank you.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: For the unwrapping, though, like, they couldn't really use practical effects. They also... It's 19 to 33. They don't have CGI. So, what they had to do... Was they layered multiple prints of film onto each other with different exposures? So they would film the scene with Claude Rains, who was the actor who played Griffin, in the shot, dressed fully. Then they would film another one matched up perfectly without him in the shot at all. So the other actor, if it was he was on stage with him, would have to like do the exact same thing perfectly. And then they would film it again. Only this time, the whole set would be draped in black velvet and Reigns would be wearing all black. He'd be wearing black tights, black gloves, and a black headpiece. Uh-oh. And then he would be wearing his like clothes and head wrappings on top of it. So then, in the end, they would Uh-oh. have like four different shots, like four different reels of film. They would layer it on top of each other, using the pieces that they wanted to use and getting rid of the rest. And then on top of that, because some of it wasn't perfect... They, the negatives, they required men to go in and paint over the imperfections with like a dye that hid the details. Wow. Um, it was supposedly a very. Put in. Yeah, it was very tedious and it was supposedly very expensive. But the effects literally hold up sure. today, almost 100 years later. Absolutely. So like, fucking do it. All worth it. <laughs> <Yeah>. Worth <laughs> it. Go for it. That,
1: that reminds me so much of like the early animation years like i remember doing a tour at the disney studios and learning about how they layered things over and had to go back in and paint so they were essentially like having to do an animated totally to create this invisible effect like man i love the effort put into it like a plus same
2: yeah a lot of those classic films have these great effect shots and you don't think about all the work that was put into them there's a great film i want to say it's 37 called mystery of the wax museum directed by Michael Curtiz who directed Casablanca um, and he he took a whole day to film a transformation sequence where they would keep going in, do a couple shots and they'd add layers, add layers he almost filmed it like stop motion um, and the studio was like dude this is a horror film, just get it done and he's like shut up. <laughs> shut up, this is my vision he famously like butted heads with the studio because he had these this vision of these films and how he wanted these shots to be um, and yeah, those classic effects are so great. Like it's, there's so much like craftsmanship and it's just like how they even came up with it is genius.
0: Truly. From like the thirties to like the seventies. Yeah. Like when you see a horror sci-fi movie, just know someone very creative was involved <laughs> because yes. <laughs> yes. they had to percent. literally like yes. figure it out a lot of the mm. times on set. Yeah. Yeah. Which is wild to as think. They about. Were going. As far as later iterations of the character, obviously the Invisible Man dies. So when, you know, the Invisible Man returns in 1940, it's the same scientific invention that causes the invisibility, but a totally new character, totally new objectives. Okay, are you ready to get pissed off? Nope. <laughs> oh.
2: I mean, well, not really, but and maybe. maybe it
0: won't piss you off, but I feel like <laughs> it's going to piss a lot of people off uh, because this was a surprising hit and it still has like uh, upwards of 90 percent on Rotten Tomatoes. But in 2020, The Invisible Man, written, directed by Lee Wannell, who uh, most people the other half of James Wan, he was the lead actor in saw he was also one of the paranormal yeah. investigators in the insidious movies. And he writes most of James Wan's mm-hmm. uh, early stuff. And uh, he did direct Insidious 3 and Upgrade, which I thought were both really, I loved Upgrade. Billy, you saw Upgrade, mm. yeah? Yeah.
2: I never saw Upgrade. No, everyone talks about it. I need to You see would
0: it. love it. It's like made for you.
2: Okay. Okay. <laughs> I'll have to check it out.
0: I'll um, check it out. And also a little bit of a Frankenstein <clears throat> story, kind of. I've,
2: I I um, I saw that reference when I was doing some research.
0: Yeah, a little Upgrade
2: bit. is on lists. Love that. Yeah
0: so great movie but i fucking hated the invisible man remake i hated it and i think i hate it even more now that i have read the books like it, it was one of those things where it was like am i crazy or is everyone else wrong and after revisiting the originals i can absolutely concretely conclude that everyone is wrong it's a horrible, invisible man adaptation, <laughs> and it is not a good movie. Uh, um, and I'm going to break down why that is. For anyone who's listening, who's like, no, I like it. No, you don't, and I'll tell you why. <laughs> you're wrong you're about wrong. this. Okay? No, I also didn't like it, so I'm good. excited to hear
2: I, all okay. I didn't. I didn't hate it, but I didn't love it, so I'm, I'm ready for this.
0: I think they really had something fantastic going at first with the idea of following... The main victim instead of the villain, Elizabeth Moss, even though she's a crazy space alien, is incredible. She's a great actress. Love her very much.
1: She is such a good actress. Yeah. Handmaid's Tale. We take her weird Little, alien. She's, she
0: gets a pass. She's like lifestyle. Tom Cruise for me, where it's like he gets a pass. He's the best action movie for star sure. that's well, ever I appreciate existed. It. I'm sorry. Like, sorry he's yep. in a cult. Yep. Um And Elizabeth Moss, I've Can't always stop. loved her. So you get a pass. Just don't do anything weird and creepy. And the idea that Adrian Griffin, Great. obviously a nod to the original film, that's the villain's name in uh, the movie, has her you know, trapped in a controlling and abusive relationship. It's an incredible setup. The themes on domestic abuse and gaslighting and how it affects the abuse and how hard it is for abused women to get actual help. Awesome. Great. Good start. Where they fail miserably, in my opinion, is the villain himself. Because one... The invisibility is not a serum. It's not a permanent change. It's a suit that he can take cool. on and off. Mm-hmm. That throws a I major plot point that I out the window. I think they still could have recovered from it, though, if they had given Adrian Griffin any kind of believable objectives at all. Because, yes, he was a piece yeah. of shit. Abusive boyfriend. Total dick. Absolutely. I totally believe he's the kind of person that would use this suit to terrorize a woman who left him. But he didn't do that. He faked his own death. And he gives no reason for doing this to her. And it's just crazy to me that this like Elon Musk type man would throw away his entire life business as the CEO of his tech company in order to like, make people think she's crazy like because the that thing is he can't her. in the end come back and be like just kidding i didn't die like he he faked a suicide yeah. so right. like he's dead forever Mm-hmm. No matter what the outcome is, it doesn't make any sense. Yep. So it's fine. I know that um, uh, the director had said, you know, we didn't. I didn't want to give you another like wrapped man in sunglasses and a hat walking around. I don't mind that. I don't care that he was invisible for like the entire fucking movie, but he never spoke. We get one scene with him at the very end where he sort of explains himself to her, but like also doesn't. And not only that, but we find out that there have been two invisible men. That Adrian's brother, Tom, has also been helping him terrorize this woman in an invisible suit. Why? Why did he do that? Why would he do that?
1: Yeah, it just, it feels like the motive, like, it can't just be like, we hate her, so we are throwing everything away to do it. Like, that doesn't make any sense. Why would the brother get involved? Like, I just didn't think, like, his hatred for her was enough for him, like you said, to throw everything away and then come back in the suit and ruin her life. Like, No. He had too much else going on unless we are supposed to believe he's just really that insane, but
0: I didn't get that either. I don't know. See? It's a bad movie. No, here's the thing. There were some uh, spooky scenes. I mean, anytime you're dealing with uh, an invisible man, a ghost, whatever, like, yeah, it can be, you know, spooky. But um, as for like, you know, the plot... It didn't work.
1: Yeah, it's all, like, it was the storyline that got lost on me, but the the intensity, the, you know, jump scenes, the wondering what's going on in the beginning, you know, like, that was exciting, and it had its moments, but
2: yeah. Yeah, it's enough to color a film where you can be like, oh, this is really fun, but then you don't think about the plot, you're like, it makes no sense.
0: I really, really, really fucking love, like, when it first started, I was like, oh, I love where they're going with this, like, the idea of like, gaslighting, like, Oh, my God. Like, it's Mm -hmm. it's a me-too moment. Yes. But you have to give us a reason that he did this Mm -hmm. to this woman. Like, what is the reason that he would ruin his whole life for her? Yeah. Didn't make sense. However, there is a movie that The Invisible Man inspired that I do think hits the mark. We have talked about it before. (laughs) It's something I never... What is I that? never thought I would say this out loud, <laughs> especially on a podcast where my voice is recorded and thousands of people hear it, but 2000's Hollow Man slaps. It does slap. It's good.
2: No disagreement here. Yep. Fucking
0: slaps. No disagreement. And like
1: perfect dickhead main character who like is an egotistical yep. full of himself guy before and then only yeah. gets worse and you believe it and you're right there with him yeah. and he gets like super pervy yep. and you're like, yep. That's exactly that. what a guy yep. like this would Here do
0: with those powers. I should mention, I mean, it is um, a CGI nightmare. We're going to let it go. But it was, mm-hmm. by the way, it was nominated for an Academy Award for Best Visual Effects. So I guess it wasn't that terrible for the time. The, the year 2000 was just rough. Really?
2: It's a CGI nightmare yeah. now. Now. Yeah, it's a CGI yes. nightmare
0: now. Well, yeah, knowing what you can yeah. do now.
2: If yeah, you, If you look course. at it... From the perspective, it was just like, oh. Especially when they started to do the special effect of the, um, when they inject the, what, the gorilla, the ape, where the layers start to disappear. Mm-hmm. That was so it cool. It was, I was like, really oh, cool. Yeah. That was amazing.
0: Yeah, in 2000 <clears throat> yeah. for that Absolutely. time. Absolutely. And like I said, the cast bangin kevin bacon is the lead it also stars elizabeth yeah. Shue, josh brolin and a ton of really great character actors from that time mm. um yeah. and the storyline of this movie it is a fantastic yeah. invisible man reboot i was just telling lauren like having now read and watched the original and knowing like that this is like a, a legitimately great reboot of the story i'm an even bigger hollow man fan yeah. than i was before <laughs> it sticks so close to the
1: original it does I feel like or closer than
0: and anyone. for anyone who has not seen it i'm going to give you a little breakdown i won't spoil uh everything but kevin bacon plays sebastian kane who's you know a brilliant scientist also happens to be a dick um, he's working on developing a serum for the military that can make the subject invisible. And he and his team of researchers, biologists, veterinarians, uh, physicists, they finally successfully made several animals invisible and even brought a gorilla to invisibility and back, which is essentially their final step before taking it to human trials, and Sebastian is so amped, doesn't really want to wait for all the red tape to come down, and he volunteers himself as the human test subject without any military authorization. He somehow convinces his team. I don't remember how he convinces them to go forward with this and like ruin their careers, but he, he, he convinces yeah, his really team. They're really against it at first.
2: Yeah, I, don't, I, don't I don't remember how, remember how he's like, we're doing it. How he did it, yeah. I think
0: he was just like... His charm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think he was just like, I'm in charge <laughs> and we're doing this. But um, they yeah. do move forward. And, um, and he... Uh, volunteers himself to be the subject and immediately kevin bacon becomes a menace like he's moving things in the lab he's scaring the shit out of his co-workers he even molests one of them it's pretty uncool Oof. um
2: yeah and the Not
0: team cool. decides they're done with his antics and they try to make him visible again which not only fails but almost kills him so now he's stuck being invisible and he's going stir crazy because they've got him locked in a room that's monitored 24 7 by cameras to make sure like heat sensing cameras to make sure he doesn't get out so i won't ruin the absolutely batshit finale but one <laughs> moment of the movie which lauren kind of uh touched on at one point sebastian does break out of his confi- confinement and goes out into the world and one of the first things he does is breaks into his neighbor's apartment and rapes mm-hmm. her it's so awful and it's horrific it's so I, yeah it gets so dark. in the end. It gets very dark. In the end, it really has a lot of the same themes and elements of the original story. Um, brilliant asshole before he com- becomes invisible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah, so like the serum along with the power that he inherits, in addition to the isolation he experiences, makes him an evil jerk and leads you know to his ultimate demise. And also the theme of our overreaching technology and asking the question of should we do this alongside could we do this being something very important to acknowledge when you know creating technological advancements especially adding the military element into it i thought was a good idea especially for the times very relevant we love it Watch The Invisible Man. It fucking slaps. I can't wait. Skip the book. To no the offense to H.G. Wells. It was a tough hang. <laughs> Screw that guy.
2: <laughs> well, I mean, <clears throat> kind of like the thing you were talking about earlier with the um, the rapping scene. Hollow Man itself has a really great scene, very similar, where they decide to pour, like, yeah. latex over him so they can see him. That was really cool yeah. and kind of creepy because he you see them, like, cut the eye holes, and yeah, it's, it's just, just it's so really scary. cool. Like...
1: I'm glad we're all on the same page with that, I'm because so I <laughs> really love
2: it. Yeah.
0: <laughs> we're three Hollow Man stands Yeah, here. I love Hollow
2: Man. <laughs> get on board, or get <laughs> out. Well,
0: get out, okay? <laughs> get on the Hollow Man train, or get out. Yeah. Yep, that's good stuff.
2: Skip 2020, watch <laughs> Hollow Man.
0: Um, I'm absolutely <clears throat> going to make joe watch hollow man with me tonight and he's not gonna be happy about it but you know what well, he doesn't know what he's missing yeah you have to invite
1: him he's on go, board. to yeah.
0: find out yep he's about to <laughs> learn he'll learn today
2: tell him i said get on board or get, get out On
0: board <laughs> or to get out of <laughs> relationship i will divorce you so <laughs> we are going to move on to our last monster but oh. i do have a little note <laughs> whoopsies oopsies oopsie poopsies we were assigning each other our monsters for this i called the creature of the black lagoon swamp thing and i continued to do so for an entire month and it wasn't until today this very day october 3rd 2023 that I was typing up my intro for this episode and realized it's actually the creature from the Black Lagoon. So I texted Lauren and was like, please tell me you caught my mistake, um, calling him the Swamp Thing. And she was like, no, Ashley, I did not. Nope. And I did the Swamp I Thing. I just thought you told she me was the swamp insane. Thing. <laughs> she said Swamp Thing so many times. And I was
1: like, man, it really seems like a missed opportunity to not do Creature from the Black Lagoon, <laughs> but. I I will go ahead with Swamp Thing and listen, we're still gonna bring you a great episode that Ashley are. was going to do a little tidbit on Creature from the Black Lagoon as it was meant to be.
0: Listen.
2: Oh
0: God. Lauren <laughs> Is about to tell us about Swamp Thing, which is also a classic type of monster. But yeah, I did wanna uh, yeah, add... Yeah address inspired from the classic. Yeah, I wanted to add a little synopsis of the creature of the Black Lagoon for those of you who are like me and was like, Hey, what fucking difference? Now you will know. So yeah. because I was under the impression that Swamp Thing was the name of the creature from the Black Lagoon. Like that's what like it was called the creature from the Black Lagoon, but um. they call him Swamp Thing.
2: Yeah, he's a he's a thing. That Which is fair. <laughs> from
0: it's a thing
1: from the swamps, from the dark waters <laughs> so, of the swamp. Yeah, it's fair. It I'm is just totally just defending fair. myself.
0: So, anyways, in 1954. Uh, There was a movie. It was called The Creature from the Black Lagoon. It was a movie filmed in three Three dimensions. (laughs) Um, It was during a very unfortunate 3D fad in the 1950s that I'm sure was very fun at the time. Um, But it follows a geology expedition in the Amazon attempting to discover fossil records of a link between land and sea uh, animals, which... We all know we came from the sea. We still have remnants of gills. Like, eventually, at some point, we crawled out. Mm -hmm. So the leader, Dr. Carl Maya, is convinced that there's a missing link from the time we dwelled in the sea from the time we came on land. And he's there to find it, damn it. And uh, to everyone's surprise, not only is there fossil evidence of this missing link, but the creature still lives. And it is not a fan of humans, which totally get. Amen same or the worst the creature kills off the crew one by one (laughs) should develops an obsession with the only female crew member attempting to take her away to his creepy caves but in the end they do defeat the monster but rarely and um yeah the most billy and i were talking about this earlier when uh we mentioned that del toro might reboot frankenstein and i said you know that would be perfect for him because he rebooted the creature from the black lagoon he did the shape of water which he loved the creature from the black lagoon as a child he saw it when he was seven years old and not only was he greatly inspired by the creature design but he was inspired by the idea that this creature loved this beautiful woman and what if you know the world wasn't so cruel and the two of them could be together so that being said, the creature from the right. Black Lagoon was a fish. Lauren, please tell us about the Swamp Thing, who's not a fucking fish. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. I, the backstory
1: is the best part of all of this. And me and Ashley just like being on different pages, which is weird. Because I usually will know what she means and be like, oh, she definitely meant this. But this time I was like, maybe she just wanted to like switch things up. Was it
2: just the fact that she just swamp? And over and over, over and
0: over. So I was like, she definitely <laughs> wants. Swamp so today we're doing two uh, Universal classic monsters and a DC comic book character.
1: A DC <laughs> comic monster who very much like fits in the category totally. of a Universal monster. And everything that you just said, Ashley, it's so funny because. It is essentially what Swamp Thing is, except instead of a fish man, it's a plant man, just kind of made of Who moss knew? and other greenery from around the swamp in the bayou. So a little short synopsis of the Swamp Thing story, and then we'll get into the history and the comics. When do we ever talk about comics I know, on this the is show? A first. Who are we? But Happy Halloween. Um so The character in the story, in the original story, Alec Holland, was a brilliant scientist developing a biorestorative formula that promised to change the fields of botany and medicine forever. But when Holland refused to sell his formula, his lab was sabotaged. Holland was doused with burning chemicals and dove into the nearby swamp to save himself, put out the chemical burn. But instead, he emerged as a giant plant-like monster. His old life was gone. Holland was left to roam the bayou and punish anyone who threatened his new home. So a big part of this story is Swamp Thing wanted to protect his environment, the swamp and anyone that came around his area, but also the environment in general. He is a green king, environment saver. We love it. Like, here to protect the world. We really need him today with global warming. So we're kind of into it. Um, Swamp Thing is seen as a monster, but really as are most of these monster monsters is kind of a tortured soul of wanting to protect the environment, protect his home, what has become his home. And also he's so tortured because he doesn't know, is he still a man? Is the original man and brilliant scientist that he originally was still inside there? Or is he only this plant creature with tiny remnants of a man, tiny bits of a human build in there?
0: So- in a way it fits our monsters more. Then the creature from the Black Lagoon Absolutely. who was born a fish man and will die a fish man.
1: Just saying. Exactly. Not, you know, coming out. Of- yet. Yeah. I know. Doesn't it feel a little right? Because it it's- kind of feels like it's going along with the story that both of you yeah. told. It's a science theme. up. <laughs> <laughs> um so swamp thing has a few real connections to the human world one of those is abigail arcane isn't there always a female always isn't there look at that always um the one woman capable of seeing and loving the man beneath the moss and the other is john constantine (gasps) familiar name Okay. beep. sorry i can't stop doing the they're song because it just gets exciting they're friends he yeah. actually got his start as a supporting character in saga of the swamp thing before spinning out onto his own adventures john started as a buddy i think it's cool so there's that obsessed with the i know I love it. So with the creation of Swamp Thing, he made his debut in DC Comics in 1971. Um, There was a comic called House of Secrets, number 92, and he was depicted as an early 20th century man who was murdered by a jealous rival and returned as a plant monster to defend his wife. And the character was given his own series the following year. But then this was kind of like, oh, we're going to call it Swamp Thing. But then creators Len Wine and Bernie Wrightson reworked the concept to be in a more contemporary setting. And that same year, they came up with their original story of Alec Holland, the scientist, and, you know, got into more of the specifics and said he needs his own story like this. I like that we planted this seed, planted the seed, but now let's get into it. And then in 1972, mm-hmm. the official comic Swamp Thing, number one, first in the series came out and it was born from there. And a funny thing about the creation of the story is Len Wine, the storyteller, um, came up with the idea while riding a subway in Queens. And he was coming up with the whole storyline, but just kept calling it Swamp Thing and saying, like, I'll come up with the name later. It's just my Swamp Thing. Like when someone would ask, <laughs> yeah. what story are you working on right now, Len? He was like, the Swamp <laughs> Thing. But then his partner, Bernie Wrightson, was like, I kind of love it.
0: Like, this should just be the title. It's obviously catchy. It is. Okay, because it's the only thing I remember. <laughs> yeah,
1: clearly Ashley really clearly. <laughs> latched onto the story. And so it goes. Um, so Bernie Wrightson designed the character's visual image using a rough sketch based on what Len Wine had told him. Said, we're going with it. This is Swamp Thing. And so it was created and there was drama comic book drama everybody Ooh, because comic
0: book drama <laughs>
1: We're so into this but i do <laughs> love i love a scandal i love tea okay. no matter what so i was excited to read this um just months before swamp things creation marvel comics the rival had yep. the same idea they made a swamp monster called man thing with almost an identical origin story and marvel did it a few months prior so everyone was like dc you idiots you stole this from them which guess who was not doesn't true if remember you remember man thing Unfortunately, that is the truth. Is Marvel's (laughs) did end up getting swept under the rug. And there was no evidence to show that DC ripped it off because it was like Len was saying, I came up with these storyboards and all these things like way before this. I had no idea they were coming out with Man Thing, blah, blah, blah. So it was never proven. When? And they got to go on with their idea.
0: Stuff like that happens in history because it happens often. Like you think about like White House Mm -hmm. Down and Olympus Has Fallen came out in the same Mm -hmm. summer. Two movies about two men protecting the president and the White House. Like, shit like that happens all the time, where it's like, how did this happen so that we get two of them in a row?
1: (laughs) Right. It's just like, it's truly the same idea that these people had at the same time. Because if you go back and, you know, try to discover, well, who was spying on who, like, most of the time it seems kind of coincidental. Maybe there was some stealing involved, but you're just like, did. Does everybody just have the same is it collective, collective idea consciousness? Same
0: <laughs> like, enough people thinking Could about the be? same idea?
2: One of the things I think DC had over Marvel in this is they had Bernie Wrightson. I don't know if you guys are familiar mm. with Bernie Wrightson's art, but it's fantastic. It's it's detailed, dark, and gothic. As a matter of fact, he actually did an yes. illustrated edition of Frankenstein. Oh! It's fabulous. Uh, yeah.
1: So, Bernie Wrightson, he stole, yeah. he stole the show. Yeah. Yeah. And Very yeah, good. a lot of people have said that that I think it was Bernie especially, but this partnership in general just they honed in on the story a little better too as a whole. And so it just took off in a different way that Man Thing never had a chance to. And I like that you brought up kind of the gothic style totally. of Bernie because that's what I like about it and how I was like I can actually get on board with these comics because these were called specifically horror comics. Like when yeah. Swamp Thing branched off on its own series, it was horror. It was not not just, okay, here's another superhero that we're going to tie into the stories. It was like, no, we're making this as terrifying as possible. Like we're branching off into the darkness. So I do like that about it. Um, And Swamp Thing took off and that's what everybody knows today. And it is totally taking inspiration from Creature of the Black Lagoon. That's why talking about that story is still important. Even though one is a fish man, one is a plant man, Still similar stories of, you know, this person trying, not this person, this creature, trying to protect their environment. There's a bit of a romance involved, like a woman, (laughs) like, you see me, understand me, a little bit of that. But everyone really just wanting to take them down. Um, It also happened in a comic called The Heap from 1942, which was basically just like a heap of leaves and sticks and moss that was once a monster. (laughs) Um, That's also inspiration, like Swamp. swamp Swamp creatures they've existed for a while so swamp thing just kind of went on his own journey in the comic book world um but also going into the horror world this being a horror comic but then branching into movies 1982 the original film adaptation was written and directed by our love wes craven which i enjoy enjoy
0: i've never seen it i didn't even know he made a, a swamp thing movie I know
1: nobody knows about it, but it wasn't the best. Billy, have you seen it?
2: Yeah, yeah, I have seen it. How do you? I saw it many moons ago. I enjoyed it uh, for what it was. I also saw it when I was a kid. So, and I'm being like a child of the '80s. You know, it's it's very it's very '80s. 80s. You kind of have to go in with that mindset. Um, It's not great, but it's it's a fun movie.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's a good time yeah it was after the hills have eyes but before nightmare on elm street and that's important to know because he wasn't west craven wasn't on the map yeah. quite yet like people saw the hills have eyes and were like what's what? wrong with this man but <laughs> this is real dark but then we didn't have nightmare on elm street which obviously so it was like he wasn't quite on the map yet horror comics comics were also fairly new so it was kind of the perfect combination of not a lot of people were going to see it didn't fully understand it but it got a decent reception and it was also it became one of those cult classics in the late 80s and 90s probably why you saw it billy of like it was a vhs tape that was in most people's homes it was something that you know you had to see the swamp thing um but then there was a Swamp Thing Returns, not by Wes Craven, made by somebody else in 1989. And that was a total flop and everybody Oops. hated it. And then there wasn't really much Swamp Thing for a long time until, you know, the TV shows that came out. There were animated series. There was a live action series just recently that came out. There was a Constantine series on NBC Universal where there was a mention of Swamp Thing, but he was never seen because there was never a second Damn. season. It got canceled. And so there's been all these chances for him to come back, but Swamp Thing has been around countless comics and similar to what Billy was saying, James Gunn. Why was I just forgetting his name? Right? Yes. James Gunn. Yes. Yes. That's right. For a second, I was like, that's incorrect. That's not the person because when you say someone's name enough times, you're like, that's "That's wrong. wrong." Words Words don't exist. Recreating. Words are real. Um, Recreating the DC universe, he is doing a remake of Swamp Thing, the first time since the 1982 version, having a live-action movie that is just focused on Swamp Thing, which is exciting because, again, he's making all these DC movies, and they're very superhero-centric, but he has said specifically like he wants to bring on a team that's ready to do horror with him because he wants it to be dark, he wants it to be creepy, and we love that.
0: We sure do I yes. think that A Swamp Thing or Creature from the Black Lagoon I think you could make a Terrifying Terrifying movie out of either Of those yes. stories I'm Absolutely. surprised it hasn't been You know I'm surprised that well still has water in it It seems so easy I know
2: The recent, the recent show I want to say it was from like 2018 2019 yeah. It was pretty good, and it it was it was pretty horror themed. It, it wasn't like insane, um, but it was it was a pretty good take on Swamp Thing. I really enjoyed that one.
1: I know. I wish I had watched that. Is there a way I should have I should have looked this up myself in my own research? I need to find out where it's still able to be I'll viewed, it's like streaming. where it's streaming, because I it has good reviews. So you are not alone in thinking that there. it is and on Tubi.
2: It, it's super well. Tubi. Tubi, okay. Right. Which I is watch free. I a lot of
1: horror movies on free. there. Yep.
2: It's really sad that show um, ended the way it did because it had good ratings and it was well um, received. It mm-hmm. ended because of a uh, tax break negotiations.
0: I, I was going to ask why because yeah. I know that. Yeah. People were pumped about it. People I know that it. it got really good reviews. So I was mm-hmm. like, why yeah. didn't they continue that?
2: Yeah, they were promised a tax break where they were filming. Ugh. And then they came back and said, actually, we can't do it. Ugh, so the show just couldn't, sucks. couldn't afford to be.
0: But it does have Virginia. Yeah. Virginia Madsen, Will Literally. Patton. It's got some really heavy hitter Kevin Durant has got heavy hitters on the show. So check it out. Some good names.
2: You know who was in the original Wes Craven, right? Who? Adrian Barber.
0: Yes. Yeah. John Carpenter's ex wife. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. She's a hottie mm-hmm. bow body, too.
1: Yeah. She's the assistant, yeah. Alice Cable, who's helping mm. out with everything. Yeah. We got the hottie bow body. <laughs> we like it Might have been
2: one of the reasons I watched Swamp Thing the first
1: the <laughs> <Yeah>. time. <laughs> well, I was going to say, because, like, oh. yeah, it, is, it does have that <laughs> cheesy 80s feel, but there was a it lot does, of. Yeah. There were some hot women in it. So, you know, I'm sure that's why a lot of the young men were watching it. But I also wanted to say props to Wes Craven's movie because actually I feel like the effects on Swamp Thing also look really good. Like if you go up and look still look at Stills, I like the way that he was created. It's a good it's a good costume. Like he looks mossy and creepy and straight out of the water. And I thought it was It was well done for the time. And that's why I get excited about seeing a remake, hoping that they're using practical effects, not getting weird CGI, because I think there's an opportunity to make a horrifying Swamp Thing creature using some of those original ideas and just this dark, mossy, droopy guy with black eyes. It's it's a good
0: opportunity. Well, and you've seen The Shape of Water, right, Lauren? Oh, yes.
1: I loved it. And also that creature
0: amazing yeah I mean that's the thing that's where Guillermo went right and usually does there was no cgi for that creature like that suit Mm -hmm. um uh Doug Jones had to be in that suit and apparently like the pieces of it were so heavy it took multiple people to put it on him um but it looks incredible it looks so good put a man in a suit do not cgi that man
1: Truly. If, yeah. if they It'll do that, yes. then I think the new Swamp Thing has a great chance of being Absolutely. horrifying. Yeah. So I'm just hoping that they do that. But um, yeah, so there were these early iterations of this. I just want to go on to say that there I don't know a lot about comic writers, Billy, maybe, you know, about this saga already. But comic writer Alan Moore
2: mm-hmm. um,
1: went on, took Swamp Thing Alan and went Moore. on to Saga of the Swamp saga of the swamp thing this is widely regarded to be the greatest version of the character and it aided to the character's long history that has continued even to today so we can credit him for you know the story continuing and the interest continuing the reason that ashley has heard of the swamp thing is probably because of alan moore and um moore changed the story in tiny bits in his own way but it definitely made for a more interesting story i found this when i was researching like what changes did he make when he first started right, Moore revealed that Swamp Thing in his version isn't actually a transformed Alec Holland, that scientist. Holland died as a result of his injuries from the burning. And Swamp Thing is merely a mysterious form of plant life that absorbed fragments of Holland's consciousness and memories. So this is this is a character prone to questioning its own existence. So that story of him, you know, questioning what am I plant or man that can still happen. But I feel like in the original, it's sort of like, I'm a man who now has some moss on top of me. Like I'm still Alec Holland, but mossy.
0: Whereas in Alan's version,
1: it's full plant creature with some memories sprinkled in so that, swamp thing can remember what humanity was like and connect to humans and beat the shit out of them if they try to ruin his environment (laughs) but it's mostly a plant creature and alan moore also added in like more powers of being able to control plant life and become immortal as long as he's clutching to something plant related
0: I think Alan Moore would be the perfect person to take on a character like that that does have a lot of themes going on, especially if they're like environmental and having to do with the world. Because Alan Moore was also the man who did The Watchmen and I believe V for Vendetta.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yes.
0: like, yeah the, yes. the themes. Oh, i loved
1: watchmen so Dude, get it alan yeah, moore alan like
0: moore it. incredible incredible i would say if he was like i'm writing this but i'm making some changes i'd be like trust you i trust you sure got it whatever you totally want to do, like. I, I like
1: the he added more depth to it of like oh no it's just the consciousness that's existing so now he really doesn't know what to do like i think it added a whole new element totally. and i love adding in like all of the you know, creepy things that can happen and how it's like, how do we kill this monster? Well, you can't, because as long as he's touching greenery, he will survive. Like, I love that, too. It makes him
0: scarier, more powerful. You have to find a way to defeat him where, like, you get him out of the swamp and into, like, a Mm. white room, like a white, sterile room.
1: (laughs) A corporate
0: office. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Take him.
1: Take him into an office. Take him into the back rooms, but yeah, I'm excited to see what the new Swamp Thing will totally. look like. I hope they do a good job with it, fingers crossed. But I like that there's a revival coming. And because of this revival that is being, you know, now publicly talked about, the original, the 1982 Wes Craven version has now been remastered in 4K. So you can see all the 80s cheesiness and its glory. You can go watch it and catch up on it before the new one comes out. And also go watch Creature from the Black Lagoon so you can tell the difference. So you know the difference. The <laughs> That's
0: what I'm walking um, away from this episode with, knowing now that those are two separate characters. Yep. Who knew?
1: I'm more interested in comics now after leaving this, so I was like, I want to read some horror comics. Let's go. I have a new respect.
2: There are some great ones out there. You just got to find the right one. For sure. Yeah. That Alan Moore run on 12 thing is, is still like considered the greatest run on Swamp Thing in his entire history. It's still reprinted. So cool. Like yeah, a lot of times when comics comics will come and go, like a, a run on comics like from the eighties, you know, you might be able to find it in a trade like for ten years after. Unless it's like Herald is like a great run, they just don't reprint it. Swamp that run on Swamp Thing is still wow. reprinted today.
1: Wow.
2: Like you I can go to that. like almost any comic shop, just bookstore, I and love it will be that. on the shelf. You'll I find love it.
1: that. Yeah, yeah, Alan.
2: It's good. It's good stuff. Here for you. Yeah, it. Alan Moore's fantastic. Yeah, and he hates Hollywood. Yup. <laughs> oh, even Hollywood.
1: better. I know. I didn't know yeah. about him. I like. I'm embarrassed that I didn't know anything about him. Now knowing, <clears throat> like after doing my research, now I'm like, oh, you've created a lot of things that I have consumed and enjoyed. So yeah. Oh, he's a total book. hippie. Yeah.
0: You'll love him. I can't wait for you to see your yeah. first ah, picture of Alan Moore. Hippies. He looks like he yeah, came out the
2: Yeah, have you not seen a voice. picture of him? <laughs>
1: Yes, I okay. saw a picture okay. and was like, oh, I, I, I want to hang yeah. with this dude. Like, yes, the bohemian yeah. lifestyle. We
0: love it. He Very Ted yeah. Kaczynski chic.
1: Yep. Well, and that's, yeah. I think that's also why he added all these extra elements of like environmental factors. Because he's like this big totally. hippie and he's probably like, save the trees. Like, we love it.
0: Well, we are sadly out of time. I could talk about monsters day and night.
2: I mean... There's so many more monsters there's
0: so many more monsters there's so
2: many monsters
0: more talk to be had I mean, it's not the last time we'll hear I from mean, billy i guess <laughs> next time
2: <laughs> next time maybe.
0: Don't keep it weird hey billy thank you so much for joining us yes. again thank you yeah thanks for
2: having me back i always have a fun coming and hanging with you guys it's just so much fun i get to talk about things i love like werewolves vampires creepy monsters you know, and I just love the show. You guys are so good. I love it. Thanks,
0: you. Billy. We love having Thank you. And we just you're like such to a Monster see your expert. expert. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Our yes. resident monster expert. Um mm-hmm. everyone make sure that you're following Billy. Uh, Billy, your handle on Instagram is it at Billy The Billy Roach. The Billy Roach. At the Billy Roach. Yeah. Um he has some yes. fantastic art um all the time that he posts. And uh, even one of me. Um, That I have posted, Um, but also he's doing his 31 days of horror. So if you are looking for inspiration, you've got 31 movies at the Billy Roach on Instagram that you can follow.
2: Watch along with me.
0: Watch along with them. Watch along with us as well. We're doing something on our Instagram yes. right yeah. now. Um, I know this is coming out kind of late in October, but if you get on there and you comment on our horror movie posts, you'll be automatically entered to win a T-shirt at the end of the month. You're welcome. <laughs>
1: Happy Halloween! <laughs> a gift to you. And honestly, we just want to hear about yeah. Your movies we also want to know watching, what your so favorites are and like us. what
0: you're watching too. So like, get on there. Um thank you so much for listening to our show as usual and joining us week after week. It is still October. Next week, ooh, next week <laughs> our countdown to the big day continues. Next week we are going to be telling some very spooky listener ghost stories, so you don't want to miss that Ooh. obviously, um, and then the week after that, we will not be here. We are going to be in our Halloween hangover. Um, so, you know, join our Patreon, maybe leave
1: us alone. We
0: got a lot of episodes <laughs> on there. You can check www.patreon.com keep it weird podcast. Uh, but for now, we will let you go. We have things to do, meals to eat, soup to drink if we're sick. <laughs> wigs to shed (laughs) (laughs) all of us
1: I know get this wig off of me I am drenched in sweat
0: but thank you so much guys we'll see you in a week and as always keep Keep it it weird. weird